Why, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Coffee Connections. My name is Seth Weiner, and I am your Rockshineer. You are tuned in to Coffee Connections, insights from innovators. We're talking every week with innovators in the Atlanta nonprofit community. And if you haven't seen any of our episodes, please go back to coffeeconnections.live, where you could see all of our past interviews, all of our guests. And I started this week uh, actually posting... Um, because there's all these insights, right? I mean, every single guest gives us a fantastic insight. So I decided to take a clip of an insight and go ahead and put those out as little teasers. So instead of telling you a preview, it's a post view. And I encourage you, if you like what you hear, to go back and listen. There's so many great insights. So many nonprofits have pivoted, doing different types of fundraising, going into virtual, all sorts of different ways of thinking, how they get funds from different resources, not just from uh, great supporters like all of you that are watching, but also from foundations. And there's always a takeaway. So I encourage you to go back to coffeeconnections.live and check out our arsenal of ideas. But today we are joined by Terry Bonoff. And Terry is with the Jewish Family Career Services of Atlanta. Uh, she joined JFCS uh, as a CEO in June of 2019. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with Jewish Family and Career Services, uh, they offer programs and resources that really do transform lives. Building on over a 125-year history, they provide individuals and families of all faiths with services to support their ability to live and their full potential. Terry is a former business executive and elected official from Minnesota. She served, served as the Minnesota State Senator from 2005 to 2016, quite the time there, uh, as chair of the Minnesota Senate Higher Education and Workforce Development Committee. She, I would say championed, <laughs> championed legislation uh, to create the Minnesota Pipeline Project, which, which expands dual training and apprenticeship programs in Minnesota. She moved here to uh, Atlanta after her husband joined Delta Airlines. Shortly after, she joined Georgia Tech's CEI SMC to launch an Atlanta-based pipeline project in partnership with Purpose-Built Schools. Terry serves on the Board of Quality Care for Children and as the chair of the Education Committee on the board of the Alliance Theater. So as you can tell, uh, we've got a guest that's loaded with information and insight. So please, I'm going to remind myself now to unmute our guest and to please welcome Terry onto the show, everyone. Terry, welcome Thank you, Seth, and thank you so much for having me as your guest today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you you came highly recommended. At least two guests uh, suggest recommended you uh, on the show that were on the show, and then others were like, oh, "You got to talk to Terry." So, uh, you know, you've got quite the a good reputation going. Well, thank you, and it's been a joy to be part of the Atlanta community, and particularly the nonprofit Atlanta community, where not only has there been a warm welcome, there's just such strong collaboration and partnership. Oh, awesome. Well, we'll have to talk about that, but first, we're on Coffee Connections. Okay. Do you drink coffee? I Oh, do I drink coffee? <laughs> yes. Do you have do a you coffee mug? My mug? Yes. I would love to see no. a mug. Okay, so this is my mug. I have to do the the camera go right okay so you see this is the front of it this beautiful dog and then on the back it says best dog grandma ever so, <laughs> so my quick story do i get to tell my quick yeah story? please please yes so my 33 year old son adam lives in la with his wife soon and their dog maya who is a rhodesian ridgeback they 
as soon as COVID hit, they thought out of California. We had, by the way, also driven to Minnesota to um, shelter in place for the first part of COVID as we were still back then in a high rise. So Adam and Soon with her puppy Maya drove to Minnesota. She's from Germany. And while they were in Minnesota, her father passed away. And so oh, wow. they went to Germany um, to be with her family and for um, to attend, you know, the, the services and they left the puppy with me. And this was this wild Rhodesian Ridgeback <laughs> puppy who was, you know, as a puppy bigger than me and was like jumping on furniture and, you know, pushing me over. It was hysterical, but, um, I tamed the puppy The puppy tamed me. We became uh, fast friends. And so soon sent me that mug. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, did they get stuck in, uh, in Germany? No, we were lucky. Um, we found out that because she was a citizen, that she was able to get in. And then my son, Adam, had to bring, you know, um, a document showing that they were married. They had mm -hmm. to show that, in fact, he had passed away and the date of the service. There was a lot of hurdles to get through, um, but they were able to get in. And then Adam left, you know, after two weeks, she stayed for a few months and then came back. Uh -huh. Now, did you ask for the paperwork also or because you want to make sure they weren't just making you like mom train the dog. We're going on vacation. <laughs> you know, they are such crazy dog parents that I knew this was heartbreaking for to, for them to leave that little girl. Oh, my God. No, I, I understand. So, I mean, I'm, I'm down here in South Florida. Uh, my mom passed away on the 31st and I happened to be traveling. I had the oh, dogs. I'm so sorry. Well, Thank, thank you. But um, yeah. I have my, my two dogs that uh, they travel in a pack with my, my ex-wife. So, so my son, they, they travel in a pack. So they go, when I get my son, I get my dogs. It's a nice little pack that I get. But I, they were out of town. So I had the two dogs. So now I've got the two dogs for, I'm still helping my dad out here in South Florida. And I've had the dogs, oh. they, they, they hear me, they're coming now um, for, for like the last two months. And my dad wow. loves them. He's 85, and it's just—he's like, you'll, you're gonna, you're gonna leave one of them with me, right? I'm like, eh, I can't do that. <laughs> um, so then, do they drive back and forth, Seth? The dog? Well, typically, but they're with me. I'm in Florida, and I live in Atlanta, so their no, dogs. No, I mean, when when your ex-wife brings the dogs, you always drive them back and forth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Very um, good. But we're talking about coffee. You have a coffee mug. I need to know, and our viewers want to know, do you like your coffee hot or cold? So hot that I pour my coffee out. I drink a few sips. I only pour a little bit. Then I pour it out ah. to get fresh to do hot. And I have to make a second cup in the morning because I like it so steaming hot. And I can't get it uh -huh. to stay hot enough. So you're, do you you're use crazy. one of the uh, well no that's not crazy so okay if I'm I'm the same way except for I drink my coffee quick so what I discovered oh. is those those um and it's not just any you got to get the good uh like the Yeti kind of uh um tumblers you know that keep the I will keep it hot for hours so I end up sipping my coffee and which is much better for me because if I if I drink three cups of coffee or just a tumbler yeah I'm not I mean three cups of coffee I start getting crazy. Yeah, of course, of course you do. Yeah, but that's good advice. I haven't tried a Yeti. I have a thermos, um, you know, traditional go cup yeah, yeah. thermos, but it doesn't keep it as hot as I need it. No, no. Well, I, I, I will let you know ahead of time. I do send all of my guests a, uh, a, um, a tumbler, um, but it's not the one that's going to keep it hot. Uh, I, okay. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for a good sponsor to come in so I can afford the good stuff. 
I tried that kind that you charge and then it keeps it. I didn't like it at all. So I'm back to just regular. Well, I remember back in the day, one of the best uh, Father's Day gifts I gave my father was a, a little hot plate that you put the, the coffee mug on. And he used to love that oh, as work. That's but, smart. Well, but they don't make them anymore because, yeah, it, it burns the coffee. It burns paper. Right. You know, <laughs> it's a, yeah, exactly. if you think back in the 80s, the fire hazards that were gifts. <laughs> right. Well, I guess we, we equally love hot coffee then you and I. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Well, let's talk about a hot subject, which is your organization. So I'm going to go ahead and hand the mic over to you. Can you please let everyone know about JFCS? Sure. So thank you. We'd love to talk about JFCS. So Jewish Family and Career Services has been around for 125 years, and we are a multi-service agency. So we have um, six different service areas. We have a clinical practice where we have some 30 clinicians that provide anywhere from individual sessions, mental health sessions to, to group. We do groups for parents, for young children, grief groups, divorce groups. We do synagogue outreach from the clinical area. We have a program within that called HAMSA, which is helping Atlantans manage substance abuse. And you know, addiction and recovery is harder to navigate during the pandemic than any time before because of all the extra stress. So that's just all one service area I just told you about. And I, I have to back up and tell you that this is now called the Francis Bunzel Clinical Services because we got an amazing bequest from uh, Francis Bunzel's estate. And that was most recently, so we've just changed the name. We serve older adults, and that area is called the Aviv Older Adult Services. Again, an amazing family, Sherry Aviv, who was one of our philanthropic heroes, um, donated a great deal of resources to allow us to have a state-of-the-art best practice um, area where we do geriatric case management. We uh, serve the needs of Holocaust survivors. We have dementia services. Um, we have a program called One Good Deed where during COVID, we've delivered 150 friendly visits, telephone visits a week since that program started. We have support services and that houses our kosher food pantry and it's beyond kosher now. We have expanded 10 times um, since COVID started to be able to serve the needs of um, people who have food insecurity during this time. Emergency financial assistance and case management is in that area as well as transportation services. We have a division called IDDS, which is Intellectual Developmental Disabilities. We within that area have seven group homes for um, adults who have intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I say that my staff there are my true COVID heroes as they have kept almost everybody in our homes safe during this time of COVID. We were in a race against time trying to get everybody vaccinated. And three days before we were able to get them vaccinated, uh, we lost one of our uh, residents due to COVID. And so we we mourn him greatly. And it reminds us of the tremendous burden and responsibility it has been during COVID to keep everybody safe, our staff and our, our clients who, in this case, are residents. In that same area, um, we have a day program that has had to be on pause since COVID happened. We had 55 people who came to be with us Monday through Friday, nine to three. Um, we would go on community field trips, have parties, 
do cooking. I mean, just the most amazing day program. And we can't wait until we're able to bring those loved ones back into our actual facilities mm -hmm. um, when there has been complete vaccination and, and we can feel safe once again. We have a career services area which had been kind of quiet before COVID and now we've ramped that up again. And so we're doing job placement, we're doing workshops, um, making sure that, that those who have either lost their jobs or been cut back um, have the support they need to get back into the workforce. So I, I think I've done it. I think I've I've named all of our service areas. Uh, I know it's That's a mouthful for a lot to yeah. listen to, but it, it's a lot. Well, not forget the lot to listen to. It's a lot to manage. I mean, how large of a staff do you have? We have about two hundred people. People are often mm -hmm. surprised. Yeah, we have a tremendous staff. And another thing to to just share is that when COVID happened. We actually, we knew it was coming, the, the eventual lockdown. And so we had taken every measure and precaution to be ready on like day one to pivot. And one of the things that we did in order to make that happen was to tell our staff that you're all going to keep your jobs. Everybody's going to keep it at the same salary. I was like, wow. I don't know how this is going to happen, but that's what we're going to do. And so by doing that, everybody could put their own concerns aside and we said, even if your child is sick, you'll take care of your children. Don't worry. No matter what happens, you got your job. And then they just became like brilliant, you know, altruistic staff in a way that I've never seen a group come together and have delivered, you know, in many areas, 10 times the velocity of services during this time. Wow, that's that's amazing. Gosh, the so much going on, so much to deal with, so much you're currently dealing with, and so much transition that you have to plan for. Um, yeah. I mean, when it comes to mental health, uh, which is very important to me, and I, I support all, um, one of the main things I support is is how we're addressing the stigma of mental health. And I think yeah. in the last two years, as a as a well, as a society, we've we've really come a long way in in beating that stigma. And I, and I think there's a real future for um, the, you know, the next generation coming up under me to to actually grow up without that stigma and to look at mental health as like they look at going go to the gym. It's a muscle you got to work. And um, and so how prepared were you or was the organization to be able to move that into you know online? And 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 so the one question is, how were you prepared? And the other question is, how are you preparing for the onslaught that's going to come as we continue to get through uh, you know, this pandemic? Yeah, two great questions. So how prepared were we to go virtual? I, I share a funny story that um, we were prepared because my chief development officer had planned to have a bat mitzvah for her daughter on April 4th. And she told us in February, that bat mitzvah is not going to happen. We're going to be all shut down by then. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? But she began to, to share her thoughts with us and her evidence. And we're like, okay, well, if that's happening, we have a lot more problems than your bat mitzvah. And so we had already figured out how to have Zoom virtual sessions. We had done investigations about you know, the HIPAA restrictions. We had made sure our clinicians were comfortable with virtual telehealth. Those who didn't um, weren't going to do it on the computer. They were set up with telephones. Um, we really um, did everything we could so that we were ready. 
Oh, that's outstanding. Um, so there, um, my <laughs> camera just keeps going out. So does. Well, we lost Terry momentarily. Uh, I believe she'll be back in just a minute. We'll, uh, we'll see, but, um, stick with us folks. Uh, in the meantime, while we're waiting, uh, I'm going to go ahead and show everyone a video, uh, an old video of my son. So just stand by and be entertained as we wait for Terry to rejoin us. All right. Ready? D. Well, Terry, I had to fall into something, so I went back to uh, <laughs> my son playing cello when he was three. <laughs> um, and that's the best video. That is the best. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, the, the screen was gone. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, go on. <laughs> yeah, so, so I shared about how we got prepared to, to be virtual, and we really never missed a beat. You know, when COVID first started, we were averaging about 150 sessions a week. We're now averaging 275 sessions a week. So um, not only wow. did we, we pivot, we've just grown in, you know, in huge amounts. So now the second question, which is even the more yes. important question, how are we prepared to address the tsunami of mental health needs in the future. And that's the thing, of, if I could talk about anything today, that's the thing I'd be most excited to talk about because we have, um, pre-COVID, we've understood that there is such a need to particularly with children, teens and their families to address the health and well-being of those families, children, teens. Right. And so we had said we want to expand in this area. We had already hired consultants to figure out how we were going to expand. We wanted to um, understand what best practices were happening around the country, who was doing it best. So we were in the middle of all this research, and then this happened. And we thought, oh, my gosh, lucky that we had started that because we need to go full speed ahead. And so on December 1st, which was Giving Tuesday, we hosted a virtual event and featured Mayim Bialik. And the, the theme was a spotlight on teen mental health. We had 800 people come to that virtual session to hear from Mayim about her take. You know, she's not only this yeah. incredible actress, she's got her PhD in neuroscience, uh -huh. And so she shared, and then we announced that we were in fact going to launch this new center. Since then, we've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars towards this new center. We've begun hiring. Um, we're, I, I shared earlier with you, we're going to um, have a special focus on early childhood mental health and well-being so that we support parents and little ones. Um, we are going to have a a parent navigator so that when you have an issue with your child, you can come to us. And even if say you have a child who has acute needs, we don't have to provide that for you, but we can help you find the best place to go. We have partner agencies. Right. The Berman Center does a phenomenal job. You know, if you have really an acute issue or Skyland Trail. And so we're, and we're going to focus on wellness on prevention, on mindfulness, on practices yeah. that strengthen resilience. And so you're going to hear more about that in the future, but we right. have- That's exciting. Yeah. So, so if I'm hearing this right, 
help isn't always for the person that you think needs help. Often it's, it's also so when it comes to children, helping a child isn't just helping the child. It's also helping the adults how to help the child. So like, you know, you think about some, you talk about these little kids, you know, under three years old, you can't just tell them, you know, get up and do whatever, you know, like you can't, they don't, you, we have to look at, especially a kid that comes from trauma, it's their wires are set up differently than ours. And you as a parent need to understand how to work with that child just because the kid has temper tantrums how do you work with those temper tantrums so are is uh, J, uh jfcs a place so they can go to jfcsatl.org for more information but is that a place where they can get resources to learn how to better help their children absolutely and you are absolutely right you know when a child has a tantrum that often triggers in the parents the sense of helplessness and so they want to to dig in and control when really maybe those automatic responses are the opposite of what might be indicated and so we at jeff and cs with our clinicians and our professionals can provide that kind of support to say you know try this as a tool Think about your own trigger, you know, because oftentimes we in a family, we bring our memories of our own family yes, to bear. Yeah, think. <laughs> and we do either, you know, everything that we said we'd never do or, you know, we do the opposite of. And, and so there's all that at play that be to be able to unpack all that and make clear conscious choices is so powerful. Well, it goes back to like we were saying with the mental health and the stigma and all that, right? Same thing as a, a muscle, being a muscle. Okay, well, I, I had a puppy. I took the puppy to get trained. Right. Who was getting trained? The puppy or me? I was getting trained how to be a puppy owner. And therefore, you know, I, I didn't look at the dog and say, you know, act this way. I learned how to, to get it to act a certain way or to at least lean it to that right direction. But it's all about, it was, I was the one being trained. Isn't so, that the truth? Yes. And now that a, we're older, you know, as parents, we, we see and learn, you know, so much and think, oh, if I could just go back and, and do that. You're lucky because you still got a little one. <laughs> I do. He's seven. Yeah. He's a little on that one, but you see, he's seven. He, although yeah. sometimes he acts like a teenager. Is there is there a program for that? Like when your son's seven, but gives you rolls his eyes like he's a teenager? Or is it just don't let him watch Nickelodeon? Uh, maybe I, I think it's called life. You know, they just grow up so darn fast. And he imitates yeah. you. I bet he's just like you. Uh, you know? Well, it's really funny you say that. There's a video of me when I was uh, about eight or nine years old. And I was watching it with my father the other day. And I'm like, oh, my God, like my son's mannerisms are the exact same as mine. Isn't like, that well, crazy? They watched. And, and it just they ingested. And and so yeah. we all that's another another example of why we have to be conscious about how we're acting and what we're mm -hmm. doing, because we're, we don't even realize how much kids are like sponges and. You know, they don't just do what we do. They do, I mean, do what we say. They actually yeah. do what we do. And then being a parent, you know, here I have a seven-year-old son and I'm telling him, he's a great eater, by the way, but I don't, I don't have to tell him to eat his vegetables, you know, but I'm, I'm parenting him. And now I'm with my 85-year-old father and guess what? I'm parenting him, making him eat his vegetables. And so I, I use that as a segue to talk about, uh, so a little bit more about the, the elder services that you have. So yeah. uh, if someone... You know, someone like myself, say I lived in, well, I do live in Atlanta, but say my father lived in Atlanta. What what services would you all have for um, elders and families that are having elders? Like, what, what can they lean on you all for? And this is so important right now. And Atlanta has one of the 
um, greatest percentages of older populations in the country. And so we're proud to say that we have a whole array of services. You know, I have two parents with dementia and so, and they're still in Minnesota. So I'm very envious when I look at all the programming, but so number one, you could call 1-866-AGEWELL. And AGEWELL is a collaboration between the Jewish Home Life, Jewish Family and Career Services, the um, MJCCA, the JCC, and Federation. And depending on what your needs are, whoever answers that phone is going to direct you to one of our organizations. So if you said, I need some place for my father or mother to live because they're no longer safe at home, they can help. Or if you say, I want my parent to stay in the house, but my parent needs some help. What they'll do is they'll send you back to Jeff and CS in our older adult services where we'll assign a geriatric case manager. And that geriatric case manager will work with your parent to figure out what services do they really need? Do they need somebody to come in and clean once a week? Do they need somebody to come in and visit? Do they need somebody to help them with shopping or transportation? We have all of that available to us and we do it very one-to-one so that one so let me unpack that for a second though so one-to-one so if you have an uh, someone has an elder uh uh, parent that lives in atlanta and they're going out of town for business or they they don't live in atlanta their grandpa their their parent does yeah uh to have and and if medicare only covers say 40 hours for home health care they don't really need health care but you want to have someone come and check on them do they eat properly do they do they did they do their laundry did right. you know like simple things like that uh, which by the way are really important uh, is there a cost for people to be so, able to access a service so we have sliding fees depending on ability to pay we have grant funded programs for that the federation for example has provided funds for us to help um, Jewish seniors who don't have resources we don't let pay be an obstacle. We make mm-hmm. sure to meet the needs of our seniors. Uh, just a quick story. I got a yeah, call please. recently, well, several months ago from a rabbi who said that um, he had a congregant whose wife died during the night and that this gentleman was at home and he was had Parkinson's and he had dementia and he was unable to care for himself, but he wanted to stay in the home. We assigned a geriatric case manager to him. She came to his house. She saw what was going on in the home and it really um, desperately needed a cleaning. He had a pet. We needed to figure out how to care for that pet. Then we had to figure out a way to, to handle the arrangements for the funeral. So our geriatric case manager spoke to his son who was in California. They figured out how to do the burial, where it was going to be. And then once all those things got handled and set up and a structure put in place, then our geriatric case manager could just once a week check in and say, how's it going? And so I followed that whole um, from beginning when I first got that call, Mm. how it turned out. And that made me understand just how proud I was of the the level of care and support that we do provide to the seniors. So if you have a loved one and you're in need or you're thinking five years from now you're in need, do feel free to call us and learn what's available. That's wonderful. JFCSATL.org. And if yeah. you're watching from another area, check out the Jewish Family Service Career Centers uh, in your area um, as well. And, you know, 
helping elders, elderlies, are you, is there any program going on right now where you're helping them with the uh, COVID uh, situation? So in terms of here in South Florida, where I'm at right now, uh, my dad got his from the VA. So very fortunate they called him, but yeah. friends of his are like, they, I know how to get tickets to a hot show, you know, like that, but that's what it's like. And if you're in your eighties, you're not getting online and, 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 and dealing with this. So how are you helping folks uh, figure out how to get over that technological hump? So that's a great question. I wish I had better news for you because it's a really big need. We have finally found somebody who um, was willing to provide volunteers for seniors who needed help. We have done that for all of our own clients. We've helped them secure the shots, but the need is just so great. And, you know, as I helped my parents in another state and spent, you know, four hours online just trying to get one shot. You know, it's very time intensive. And so um, it, it's going to take a lot, but there's been a lot of conversation about what is the right process. And I guess the thing we all have to just hope and pray for is that we get more supply. So this thing just yeah. opens up. Well, let's, you know, I believe that the the one shot Johnson and Johnson's going to, you know, obviously when it comes out, it's going to double the, uh, double it because you're only getting one shot. So uh, right. we're, we're, we're getting, there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Just you know, I will. I will say, George is. I think George is doing a fantastic job. And a lot. If you watch the news, you might only hear the negative. Right. Uh, but but really, uh, there's a lot of people getting vaccinated. So um, everyone I, I talk to, I hear the those stories. So I too think George is doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, before we get into fundraising, I had one other question, and I almost lost it. Wait. Uh, well. Gosh, just, uh, there's just so much. I, I could go on and on with uh, the services you all provide. It's just it's just really fantastic. But it costs money to do all this. Where do you get your so that, fund? That is a good question. I'm going to answer it, but I forgot to mention one jewel. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, please. So with um, Aviv Older Adult Services, and I mentioned we have dementia services, we do these things called brain health boot camps where mm. virtually, I mean, we used to do them in person, which was amazing, but um you know, your seniors who have either currently have dementia or are beginning to have dementia, um, they come together and they do brain exercises and uh, they're both physical and mental and they're very effective. And then we have um, the, a choral program for people with dementia. We have like three or four different programs. And so that's something that um, makes a big difference because one, you know, especially when seniors can't go out and they're so isolated yeah. and lonely, anything we can do to keep them stimulated to, so that there isn't a decline during COVID is just critical. Right. Well, I mean, before we go to fundraising, uh, just, uh, Tony Bennett uh, came out with Alzheimer's the other day, and I found it very fascinating. Uh, one of the things he said was because he performed almost every day, the Alzheimer's didn't, he, he had a ritual. He was able to keep the song like in, he was able to exercise his, his mind and mm-hmm. the time that, you know, that, that he wasn't able to do that over COVID really set him back. Wow. And yeah, it's, it was like, wow, that's powerful. That is um, and, powerful. And, and then, you know, my, my parents, when my mom was alive and my father, you know, I was like, you guys can't go out. You can't go out. Like, what are you, what are you going to the store for? And it's like, what do you mean, what am I going to the store for? I've been cooped up in this house. We need to get out. We need to, even if it's just going to get a lottery ticket. And, right. and I get that, but it's, it's, and th- so now that my father, I'm, um, I'm trying to find senior centers and things for him to do. And they're most all are closed. So having stuff online, 
um, hope if you can get online, <laughs> if you can get on Zoom. So we have, so first of all, we invite your father to participate. We have new tablets and um, different, I, I haven't seen them, but I've only heard about them that actually help teach them how to get online and how to participate. So when this is done, I'm going to connect you with our yeah, staff please. and see if we can't get your dad hooked up. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, let's talk about fundraising okay. because it costs money to do all this. Yeah. Uh, where do you get your funds? You mentioned the Jewish Federation helps you out, uh, and and I'm sure there's some foundational support. Or yes, where? So we have a budget of seventeen million dollars, so Whoa. we're not some small organization, and so we have you know a multi-faceted um, stream of resources coming in. Um, so the Jewish Federation is a big funder of ours, and that's you know a wonderful thing. And during the time of COVID, when the need exploded and it was all we could do to figure out how to serve the need, I'm sure you remember this, but the Jewish Federation and other key philanthropists and foundations came together and raised $4 million to help support those in need during COVID. And so we didn't have to worry about the money during COVID. We could just worry about how to deliver the services. And I will always be forever grateful for that. But regular, um, we get funding from the United Way. And by the way, when COVID happened, the Atlanta Community Foundation and the United Way also raised money and we were awarded $200,000 during COVID to serve the broader community. And I'm telling you, we went through that money so fast because we do emergency financial assistance mm -hmm. and the amount of people who needed utilities help, rent right. help, mortgage help was insurmountable. And so that money went quickly. But anyway, so, so those are a, some big funding streams in terms of the foundational support. We get annual contributions from the, the general community. Our target this past year has been 1.45 million for our annual campaign. We will end our fiscal year June 30th and we're already at almost 1.4. And so wow. we are so grateful for the mm -hmm. community support. That event I just shared about, which is the first time we had ever had the community of, um, community of giving and uh -huh. we raised 125,000 at that event. Now, when we do our clinical services, we bill insurance, we do private pay. And so we get third party fees and, and insurance money for the sessions that we do. We offer a sliding scale and we don't turn you mm -hmm. away if you don't have money, but we do get a lot of fee for service for that program. We have foundations, um, for example, the, the Marcus Foundation support right, right. Of our programs. The Zalik Foundation has been a key proponent of our emergency financial assistance efforts. They have really stood that program up and helped us make it best in class, allowing us to hire case managers so we don't just give out money, but we make sure that the money we give is also accompanied by support and counseling so that they can stay on their feet and we're not just throwing it away. Um, so those are just some examples. In addition, in our IDDS, you know, we get the Medicaid dollars. They're mm -hmm. um, in our homes on Medicaid waivers. So it's very complicated. The Holocaust, people don't understand this, but the Claims Conference, which is um, the country of Germany, provides funds to the Holocaust survivors in the U.S. And New York is where the headquarters is in our country, and they distribute that all over the country. And we at JFNCS distribute the services for the Holocaust survivors in the Southeast. 
And wow. they consider, by the way, Oklahoma and Houston Southeast. So it's pretty <laughs> loose for Southeast. I don't know where you get your geography, but, um, <laughs> but so, so we have a lot of Holocaust survivors that we provide support for. And, mm -hmm. and so that money comes right to us and, and we get it right out there um, in terms of delivering those services. So it's like, like we started the conversation, it's complicated to share about it. It's complicated to fund it. And it's not just one thing. So as the CEO, what I have to um, think about what keeps me up at night is yeah. long-term sustainability. Because when things happen, one source of funding may go away that you're dependent on. Another source might, and you can't be just dependent on that. You have to have alternative plans. And so when I shared that, I said everybody would keep their job. And I literally was like, oh, man, how are we going to do that? And then the PPP loan happened. And so that was, you know, such a gift from our government to be able right. to, to qualify for that, receive it. And, and that's really how we did keep all that stuff during that tough time. Yeah, that that's incredible. That's true. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm one to be critical of our government, but also very thankful and grateful. And I, and I feel... You know, I paid all my taxes and I've kept up with everything. And when when the need came for PPP and the um, disaster relief, yeah. the government was there and yep. unemployment. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for what I've been able to access. And I know not everyone has been able to, but um, but I, I, I do support. I, I'm very grateful. And I think that we're constantly making improvements there. So uh, but you also have events, right? You also have events we coming do. up. We do have events. And of course, oh, my gosh, in COVID, you know, events have completely changed. So we every mm -hmm. year, one of our biggest events was the Community of Caring event in the spring, a big luncheon. And then I shared about we had that Community of Giving with my uh -huh. Well, now in the spring, two of our big events are about to come up and we have again transformed them. So we have this program called the PAL program, which is a big brother, big sister program. It's the mm -hmm. only Jewish big brother, big sister program in um, Georgia. And so we, every year we would do this fundraiser in January and it was called having a gala. I was kind of a little bit appalled when I first came because what I learned was everybody would come together and drink for several hours and then we'd let them go. And I was like, what? You don't give them food? I can't let all these young people go out drinking and not have food. And so last year was my first having a gala and we made that change. We started it earlier and we gave them a lot of food. And so I felt safer to let them go. But this year, obviously we can't be a super spreader event. And so my team who, you know, I just think the world of, they created an alternative and it's called having a walk. And so um, instead of drinking to support this program, you can walk to support Atlanta's only Jewish Big Brother Big Sister program. And it's April 18th, and it's actually going to be on the grounds of the Weber School. And we're so excited about it. And the fun thing here is the, the bigs can walk with their littles. And so huh. it's really going to be a family event. And I, I would not be surprised if we see some people moonwalking. Oh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and don't kid yourself. Some of the uh, some of those that went to drink, they'll be drinking what? Johnny Walker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're gonna use that one. I yeah, like you're that. welcome to it. <laughs> oh my gosh, we should like give out to the bigs the little <laughs> shorts. <of> them. <laughs> That's cute. Um, and you know, I I am exaggerating because I know those 
those millennials who have been supporting the PAL program, they're very responsible. But yeah. actually, I was so impressed. I'd never seen so many millennials come together in my life. And I'm thinking, wow, I wish I raised my four kids in this community because <laughs> um, it was always hard to get them to meet other Jewish kids. Huh. So lastly, this yes. other big event, because uh -huh. I have to talk about both my big spring events, uh -huh. um, the tasting would happen every year in May, and the tasting would be when, you know, a thousand, three generations of people would come together to uh, sample all of the wonderful restaurants of Atlanta's food and drink, and it was an incredible party. Um, I actually went to my first one like a few weeks before I started the job, and I thought, wow, this is some organization. Well, now this year we're going to launch the tasting card. You will have an app. It won't be a physical card. It'll be an app and it will allow you to have 20% discount on a huge array of your favorite restaurants. And so we will mm -hmm. support the restaurant community who's so been so generous to us over the years and still keep the tasting alive. And the tasting supports mm -hmm. our independent living program. So the seven group homes that I mentioned, the way oh, yeah. that that we make sure to fund the delta between what we get from government resources, which believe me, does not close the gap of what it costs to run those homes the way we run them. And um, so we, we do that, but with this particular fundraiser. So one thing folks, if you do this, just note that this app is powered by your appetite. My gosh, I think we need to, to hire you as a consultant for these. Hey, um, <laughs> um, um, uh, maybe I'll just show up here then uh, Thursday to your, oh. <laughs> your virtual improv show. <laughs> I think so. Yes, everyone should support Seth's virtual improv show. No, that's yours. This is on your, this is uh, off your website. Was this not you all? Oh, no, it's actually, that's so funny. No, this is a partner. We put it up. <laughs> We will showcase oh. partner um, events. Ah, okay, okay. Well, I thought that was you. Um, well, anyway, we'll see. Keeping it in the community there, it's and good. and um, speaking of keep, keeping it in the community, I do have one other question, which we close. But uh, but before I go there, I always like to have an opportunity to circle back with our guests, and in case we miss something. But here for the first time, beep, beep, I remember what I wanted to ask you. Okay. The organization's name starts with Jewish. But yet, you don't have to be Jewish to tap into these resources. Yeah, that's, Is that the that's correct. So um, we are guided by Jewish values, and our mission is to serve the Jewish and broader community. But for every program we do, we start with what is the Jewish need? And so two examples, um, in our intellectual developmental disabilities program, we probably have the least percentage of Jewish people of the whole, maybe only 20% instead of 80. I mean, instead of say 60 and some of the others or 70. But if you are a parent with a child with an intellectual developmental disability, we are the best there is. So we do we are the ones that you come to, we serve the need, and in order to make sure that we continue, we open it up to the broader and we share the, the best practices and the, the heart with, with the whole community. And that's really important to us. The Ben Massell Dental Clinic, one of the best kept secrets in the country because it's really probably the only 100% free charity care dental clinic that does orthodontia, oral oh, surgery. Wow prevention. I know who knows that, right? And we 
don't have that many Jewish clients, but the dentists who volunteer are the Jewish dentists of Atlanta. There's, there's dentists other are Jewish? Too. Never heard of that. Never knew that. <laughs> I went to Dr. Weinman for the first time um, recently because I now I'm an Atlanta person. I have to uh-huh. have my Atlanta dentist and everybody in that clinic volunteers at the Ben Massell Dental Clinic. See, I don't know why that it used to be, it really needs to change. You know, like my son, the doctor, you're not going to, you know, my mom would always say, you know, you're not going to be a doctor, but she was a dental hygienist, but, uh, That's uh awesome. yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. She, I never heard the, my son, the dentist, you should be a dentist, you know, but, but it's really an important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, all right. Wonderful. So that, 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 uh, I want to encourage folks again to go to jfcsatl.org where you can learn about all of this and more. Uh, and as we close our show, um, Terry, this is a chance for you to recommend a future guest. Uh, yes. is there someone that you would recommend that, uh, to be on coffee connections an innovator in the Absolutely. nonprofit world of Atlanta? So I am going to recommend Chris Moses of the Alliance theater. Chris Moses is the Dan Reardon Director of Education and the Associate Artistic Director at the Alliance Theater. And the thing that I love about Chris is his commitment to children, the arts, understanding the importance of what the arts can do to close the education gap, to close the achievement gap. And so he brings theater to life in little ones all over Georgia. And he has actually demonstrated huge growth in outcomes, academic outcomes in little ones by participating in the programs that the Alliance Theater has to offer. I believe it. Um, that's uh, that relates to me very much. So I look forward to that. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for being here. This is uh, we've definitely gone over our half hour, but uh, well, well. I mean, I think we can go another hour talking about all of the services you oh, offer. Oh, and- thank you. And of course, we never have enough resources. So for those of you who have been touched in any way by this conversation, do think about donating. Yes, please do, and you can do that again at jfcsatl.org for those thank listening. You, Seth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. Uh, We'll see you all again next week uh, here at Coffee Connections. And please go back and check out all of our past episodes at coffeeconnections.live.